and he will be called Mighty God. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Welcome to today's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We're continuing our series, The Names of Christmas. During the series, we'll focus on one of the four names given to the Messiah as listed in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This week, we'll explore the title, Mighty God. Here's Pastor Perry Duggar. Today we continue considering the names of Jesus, which I've captioned the names of Christmas from Isaiah chapter 9. You know, Americans, and as I pointed out last week, the Dutch also associated the Christmas, their Christmas gift giver with Saint Nicholas, a fourth century bishop. Now in Germany, Reformer Martin Luther wanted to move away from emphasizing Catholic bishops and Catholic saints and move towards putting the focus on Jesus. So he began a tradition, this is the 15th century, of children receiving gifts on Christmas Eve from Christkind. That's where we get the word kindergarten from. Literally, the Christ child, and that is the origin of the name Chris Kringle. Now, it, it didn't work out smoothly because people, even kids, had a hard time imagining a baby traveling around leaving gifts on Christmas Eve. So, Christkin sort of developed into and came to be represented by an angelic girl who possessed Christ-like qualities. You see her pictured behind me. But more important than Santa's names, as important as they are to our children, are the names of our Savior, the Messiah. Almost 800 years before Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, King Ahaz of Judah, which is the southern kingdom of Israel, Feared defeat and oppression by the Assyrian king. The prophet Isaiah encouraged him with a prophecy about a king from David's line who would arise like a light in darkness. And it can be found in Isaiah chapter 9. If you're using this Bible available here at Brookwood, it's page 555. And we won't read all of this prophecy, but just a couple of verses. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. We need a light today, don't we? And then drop down to verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, which we considered last week, Mighty God, the focus for today, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government and its peace will never end. 
He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Now this future king would not reestablish the earthly kingdoms of Judah or Israel. Instead, he would establish the kingdom of God on earth. Each of this Messiah's king's names, they can also be referred to as titles, reveals his functions and the way he interacts in the lives of his children. So today we focus on the second name, Mighty God. And we will see the ways that his power was displayed in that very first Christmas story. Our mighty God created and controls the world. Let's begin by looking at Isaiah 40, verse 26. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Our mighty God knows all all of his creation intimately. And that includes every star. The psalm says that the the stars sing the praises of God. But in Isaiah's day, there were 5,000 stars visible. Many more today. And in our galaxy, what's it called? Milky Way. How many stars are there estimated to be in the Milky Way? 47 billion. That's a good guess. But multiply it by 10. 400 billion in the Milky Way. And beyond the Milky Way, there is estimated to be 125 billion galaxies in the universe. And of course, what I would like to ask the astronomers is so... And what comes next at the end of the galaxies? Because the issue of creation, you see, is always a strong argument for God. The pagan religions of Isaiah's time worshipped the sun, the moon, planets they could see, and stars. And Romans chapter 1 tells us that the creation of God, including the heavenly bodies reveals the eternal power and the divine nature of God. But these unbelievers rejected God and instead they chose to worship the creation itself instead of the creator, as foolish as that seems. Our mighty God knows the stars, controls them completely. And he actually used a star to call Gentile scholars from far away to where Jesus could be found that very first Christmas. We'll be reading in Matthew 2. We'll also be in Luke some this morning. But you can turn to Matthew 2. Matthew 2. 
In this Bible, it's page 772. Beginning at verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About, about that time, some wise men, some translations say magi, from eastern lands. These eastern lands were likely Persia, which today is what? Yeah, Iran. Or Babylon, which today is what? Iraq. Those are the two most likely um, origins of the magi. Arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Why did God use a star? Because he could. <laughs> that's, well, that's the end of the sermon. <laughs> but I think there's a little bit more we can add. He used a star because it was a sign these wise men who were astronomers would recognize. You see, when he called you, he used something that you would see, something that would gather your attention. These wise men, they, they systematically searched the sky for, for signs. Now, they believed not only in astronomy, but also astrology. These weren't believers. They may have become believers later, but they noticed a new star when it appeared. But how did they know what it meant? Well, one thought is that may, they may have learned about the expected Messiah King from Jews who had been captured 500 years before and taken to Babylon. Perhaps these, from these Jews, they learned not only about Jehovah God or Yahweh and the coming Messiah, but they may have also become aware of a prophecy that's found at Numbers 24 and verse 17. I see him, but not in the present time. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. You see God's hand at work? Now scholars debate what the star was. Some say it was a conjunction of two planets. Anybody know what planets? Jupiter, somebody over here said Saturn. What was the other one? Well, how many are you going to name? <laughs> you got one right, but then you just really went downhill. <laughs> Jupiter and Saturn, which aligned recently, actually. Some surmise it was a comet passing close to Earth. Perhaps Halley's. 
or a supernova, which is a star that violently explodes and continues to give off light for weeks or even months. But I think that these scientists and astronomers, I think they're going off in the wrong direction. You see, we don't need to devise a natural explanation for a supernatural occurrence. The source of the star was what? It was God. Our mighty God was the source of the sign that alerted these wise men to the Messiah's birth. And after seeing it, they traveled to Jerusalem at least 800 miles, but perhaps much more, much farther. But why would they go to Jerusalem? How did the star tell them to go to Jerusalem? So you got to dig in these texts, ask the questions. Because where else would you expect a Jewish king to be born? Because Jerusalem was the capital. The arrival of the wise men obviously alarmed Herod because he was the king of the Jews. So he summoned them. Verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, six miles away. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Was this a star? Come on. I heard a few yeses. How did a star take these guys to a house? Unless y'all know something about stars, I don't. Stars tend to be at least thousands of miles into the sky. So how did a star bring them to a house? Well, yeah, supernatural, but it, it wasn't a star. It would have burned up the whole countryside. It was some kind of light. Someone said an angel, per perhaps. But it was something that appeared as a star, an ash star, but it was some sort of light that God created that the wise men followed that took them to a specific house. Was it the house where Jesus was born? We don't know. You know, sometimes you hear people say, he, Jesus was born in a manger. Well, he wasn't born in a manger. He was laid in a manger. He was born in a house that had a stable internal to it, which is the way, because they would bring their animals inside for warmth. So they would have them inside part of the house. So you can imagine the scent. But this may have been the, the house in which Jesus was born, or this could have been a year or even two years later. But the star took them to the house, the very place 
where he was located. The point for us to pick up in this is that God was in control of the natural world. God created, he continues to control and maintain and sustain this world. We can trust God to be in control of this world. You know, I want to urge us and encourage us. Resist the panic that you can feel when you listen to all of these shows warning of all kinds of global destruction. You know, when I was a kid, we did have TV. But I'm, I never worried about a comet hitting the earth. And yet now it's not irregularly you hear, oh, a comet might come and just wipe us out. And my response to the TV is, what are you going to do about it? But what those threats do is they put us in peril. And we live in fear. Fear, by definition, drives us inward, drops our mood, discourages us, and it separates us from God. Faith and fear always operate in direct opposition. However much fear there is in your life will reduce the amount of faith. They always operate oppositely. So here we are. You know, I, it, it was a while back I heard that, that um, you know, the earth, it was, it was global warming. But then the earth started getting cool. <laughs> so now it's, what is it? Well, that's broad, see? And one of the... Um, one of the causes was methane. Any, y'all know this, right? Well, you know what the source of the methane was? Cows doing what? Cow, <laughs> cows flatulating. Most people don't know that word. Passing gas. Now, some scientists got paid to say that. Wouldn't you like to have that job? I'm thinking, What? And, and they also say, well, it's carbon. It's because of carbon. It's because, you know, they come up with all kinds of different things. Or maybe it's aliens. Or maybe it... But all of these things, the, the real intent is to make us fear and to make us pliable to suggestion. And there's usually some political motivation in it. Now... Before y'all get all crazy and start bringing signs to church, um, I think we have responsibility to care for the earth. I mean, we definitely should not be polluting oceans and all that stuff. So, yes. But we need to rely on Jesus, our mighty God, who Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1 both say, He holds creation together. He sustains creation. So yes, 
Put trash in the bin, but don't spend your days worried about something you don't have any control about. God is in control. And so why would we think, okay, well, God's in control of only our religious life and we forget he's the creator. He's responsible for this world. Now, he called us to cooperate with him to help manage and control and even farm it. But this world belongs to God. And he sustains it. And so our mighty God can control whatever in this world you are worried about. Ask him to help. Our mighty God also, bless you, directs people according to his plan. You see, our mighty God exercises authority over people, all people, not just believers, also unbelievers. Luke chapter 2. Verse 1, and that's page 821. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, so was Mary, by the way, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, his betrothed, actually, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She had many more sons and daughters. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The interesting part here is that it was the decree of a Roman emperor that led to the fulfillment of a Hebrew prophecy about the birth of a Jewish Messiah king in the line of David. And the prophecy was issued over seven centuries earlier by Micah. Flip back over to Matthew chapter 2 verse 3. We see King Herod acting here. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, the arrival of these wise men who came to worship the newborn king of the Jews because Herod was the king of the Jews, as as was everyone in Jerusalem. 
He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. In Bethlehem in Judea, uh, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, Micah 5.2, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel, 2 Samuel 5.2. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Now, see, the Jewish leaders knew where Jesus was supposed to be born. Did they go? No. Why didn't they go? Come on, you got to get down at human motives here. It was cold. No, it, no. Clint, come over here. I know that everybody recognizes December 25th, but because the sheep were in the fields, it was either spring or fall. So it wouldn't have been that cold. All right, we got, we got clenched right. Now, <laughs> so why didn't they go? Yes. They're jerks. That's, yeah, there's, that's true, but your mom was closer. They didn't want to give up their control. See, as long as they were preaching about the Messiah and making the people behave appropriately so that they could worship the Messiah to come acceptably, they were in charge. They really didn't even want a Messiah showing up because when he came, it would remove them from authority. And they cared more about their positions than they did what they were saying they cared most about. How about us? When we speak about our values and what matters, are we telling the truth? Because this showed that they really weren't motivated to meet the Messiah at all. Well, Herod gained this information and he provided the Magi this, the information from these religious leaders to where Jesus would be born. Verse 8. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Did he want to worship this Messiah? No, he wanted to kill him. Um, and he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 60, verse 3, in doing so. Look at Isaiah 63. He sent them to Bethlehem, and here's the fulfillment. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. See, our mighty God is sovereign over people and their plans. And so he used unbelieving rulers and wise men and religious leaders to carry out his purposes, to fulfill prophecies they didn't even believe in. What about you? 
Are you encountering a difficult, even a threatening situation from some person you can't control? Might be a boss, could be a relative. God can. And it doesn't matter whether the person is a Christian or is willing to obey. God can control the minds, the, act, the hearts, the actions, the intent of every living person. Proverbs 21 says he turns the king's heart like he does a stream. So pray. How much are we praying and how much are we complaining? How much are we worrying and how much are we crying out to God? Our mighty God also saves through supernatural means. Our salvation's completely supernatural. It's a manifestation of God's might. You know, because we, we see people saved before our eyes, sometimes we can make it a human action. It's not. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. There's a human response, but the initiation and the fulfillment is completely supernatural. Verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Matthew 1, 18. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her betrothed, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, which means the Lord saves, for he will save his people from their sins. Actually, Yahweh saves. The J is symbolic. The J-E represents the name of God, Yahweh. Would Joseph have believed this? Would you? Somebody showed up in Fountain Inn. I'm pregnant by the Spirit. Well, why do you think it would have been different for him than it would be for you? God made it clear because that's the point. Because he's our mighty God. He works out. By controlling this world and controlling people in this world and sending whatever is necessary to carry out his will. Now let's look at Luke's version of the same story. We'll just look at a few verses. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Mary asked the angel, But how could this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. 
and he will be called the son of God. And then jump to 37. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary was supernaturally impregnated by the Holy Spirit so the child would be what? What does that word mean, holy? It does mean without sin, but that's not the primary. Set apart is the, is the actual literal primary definition. Jesus was set apart. But in our culture, we have come to see it more as holiness, don't we? As well-behaved, as obedient. That's the, the obedience actually comes from being set apart, being different. So this child had to be different. Now it is true he had to be born without a sin nature. And holy does include that in its definition. Because only without a sin nature could he live a sinless life. Then could he die as a substitute for sinners. And by doing so, he in his might destroyed the work of the devil. Now, whoever believes in Jesus passes from death to life. A supernatural birth. Your birth it was not less supernatural than Jesus' birth. Because the Holy Spirit birthed you into holiness. You say, but I'm still human. Yes. But the spirit in you is not human. I think we minimize what actually happens when we're born again. And so when someone makes a decision and then they act like they did before, we just go, well, you know, they're human. Are you human? Which one? I'm both. Okay, what's that mean? I'm holy and I'm human. Yes, that's the right answer. You, you, you are holy, you're supernatural, you have the spirit that's still within the flesh. So we do have some humanity. But see, we minimize and we undervalue what regeneration means. It means you've been completely changed, radically changed. You are not the same. But I sin. Well, we sin because we choose to sin. You see, you see my point? But you are holy and you're becoming holy is what the scripture says. You are completely righteous and you're becoming righteous all at the same time. But don't minimize where you start because there's a great leap forward, a supernatural occurrence happened within you. You are not the same. And you were birthed anew with the same power it took to impregnate probably a 15, 16 year old girl who had never known a man. 
Do you need the power of Jesus in your life? Anybody right now need help from our mighty God? Show me your hands if you need if you need the power, the strength, the might of God today. Stand up and let's ask God then to intervene. Father, you see your children and by standing, they're, they're asking you to intervene. Lord, you have power, you have might, you have strength and some of us aren't experiencing it. Lord, show us what it is within us that may be restraining your strength. Lord, if we need to repent, if we need to, to turn, show us, God. Don't let us dwell in weakness and sin, Lord, because we need your power this day. You know the situations in each of our lives. And we know that you can control it. So God, I pray for each one right now as they call on you with their need. I pray that you will answer. That you will supply the strength. The power that's necessary. Because you are our mighty God. In your blessed son's holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Our mighty God, as you see, has the power to control our world and the strength to save you and me. Let's pray together that we would have the faith to call on God and the confidence that he will respond. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 is this week's memory verse. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our connections team. You can also watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through the message archives. Visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download the Brookwood Church app. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the names of Christmas series. Thanks for listening. Have a